0: So, greetings and blessings to all those gathered here in this retreat here at watmapjan and online as well. Today we start the second day of this retreat meditating together on this 27th of March 2022. So we've come together on this second day to practice the Dhamma, to train our minds, to cultivate our minds, to make our minds more developed, to make them better and higher. Because it's the nature of these minds of ours that when mindfulness is insufficient or weak, the mind chases after all the various sense impressions, and we can't stop this from happening, we can't control it. We see the mind as like a, a machine or a tool that we use, like a camera, video camera, a car, or various electronic devices that we're familiar with. We have electric cars as well. And When the battery runs down, then it's not easy to use that machine anymore. Various problems arise. It's like the same with these bodies of ours. We use these bodies by virtue of the four elements being in balance and harmony. When the four elements are in harmony, then we can use the body easily. The mind tells the brain what to do and the body and the brain follow. We tell the body to walk and it walks. We tell the body to lie down, to sit or to stand and so on. And it follows the order. And it can change postures without a problem. And this is possible because the nervous system is working well. But when the system degrades and becomes slower, when it becomes more difficult, it's like those individuals who are older, their brain becomes slower. For instance, over the age of 55 some airline pilots may not change the type of airplane they fly anymore because if they go to a new type of airplane then they'll have doubts arise or confusion it will be difficult for them to use because their brain is slowed down. So we see that these bodies change according to causes and conditions. These four elements that have gathered together degrade and disperse when their time has come. So in our meditation practice, we need to practice to make our minds higher, more developed, to bring energy and strength to the mind. One of these types of energy is that of faith, of belief in the Buddha. So we all have faith to practice goodness and merit. We cultivate our faith to become higher and stronger. And when our faith is firm and well-established then we call this achara sata, the unshakable faith. And this is something that has great value. It's something that's of incredible, important value. So we see that some people have faith to do merit and goodness, to practice virtue, to help society, and they have energy and strength to do this. They have sincerity in this. And we may ask, well, how is this possible? How do they do this? When may see before, as a lay person, this person worked a lot, didn't have much free time, And it's the nature of the mind like this to seek pleasure in drink, in going on trips, in music, according to the various languages that one finds in the world. But then contemplating these activities, we see that they have no essence, no heartwood to them. And seeing this, we wish to meditate more we can compare this to Venerable Sariputta and Venerable Mahamogalana Before they ordained, they had each a retinue of 500 friends. And they went about doing fun activities, doing uh, going for entertainment, and so on. everywhere they went, their retinue would go with them, just as if they were a great, a great royal individual or someone with a lot of wealth. But when the time came and their parami was full, they saw that this, these fun activities, these entertainment activities had no essence to them, no lasting value, no heartwood. And they decided to seek that which is of greater value. So during the course of this retreat in practicing the Dhamma together, Now you set your heart on restraining your behavior of body, speech, and mind to become better and higher than before. So during the day we practice restraint. Because if we don't restrain our minds and we just let our minds follow habits, the mind chases after all the various sense impressions, sometimes liking, sometimes disliking. And then when the time comes to sit in meditation, then it's hard for the mind to come to peace. So we have to have care and restraint throughout the day, to have mindfulness during the day, to recollect the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, to chant Ittipiso 108 times, many rounds in a given day. And sometimes just after nine repetitions, rapture, and happiness can arise. And if this is the case, we don't need to chant more than that. But if the mind is distracted and busy, then we keep chanting to practice to bring the mind back to mindfulness, come back to the in and out breathing. So all the various activities we do in the day, going up and down stairs, picking up a glass of water, going to work, and so on. We have the mantra Bhutto throughout all these activities. If we need to use our brain for some kind of work, then we have the knowledge that I'm using my thoughts right now for some purpose. But when you're done thinking about that which you need to think about, then you put it down and bring your mindfulness back to your meditation object again. This is called the mind that's awake with mindfulness. The mind that's asleep is the mind that lacks mindfulness. We've all seen people walking here and there. Mupu Cha, Venerable Ajahn Cha taught that those who don't have mindfulness are as if dead already. We've all seen dead bodies before. We see that they can't do anything. They have no breath, they have no life. So we've all seen this before. But those walking about without mindfulness, they are dead inside their own hearts. So at the beginning of this retreat, we build our faith to be higher. We have this faith and belief that the Buddha was the pure one, the fully self-awakened one, the completely enlightened one, who knew the truth for himself. So we have this faith, we have this belief, and so we practice to see the fruits of dhamma practice in our own hearts, to give rise to more strength and energy of mind. So we may sit meditation for one hour or some for two hours, but in the beginning we may only be able to sit for 15 minutes. But then when we gradually work up to being being able to sit for one hour, we feel proud of ourselves, we feel good that we can do that. Then we can work up from one hour to two, to three hours, all the way up to six hours, this is possible. If our body is healthy and the environment is suitable, then we can practice and sit meditation up to eight hours in a day. This is something that's very praiseworthy. This is for one who has effort and has sincerity. And for lay people, one may not have enough time to do that. But in a single day, to sit meditation for two hours is good already. At the very least, we should sit for one hour. Perhaps one hour in the morning and a half hour in the afternoon, for instance. So we sit, meditation, we may become tired or achy at times. We practice to bring our mind to collectedness, to peace. And we use wisdom to contemplate. For instance, contemplating this body, we know the breath as it comes in and out. And then we can contemplate, well, if there's no breath, if the breath is gone, what is that like? We see that when there's no breath, the body changes according to conditions. However beautiful the body was, it degrades, it changes. So we see the impermanence, we see the instability of this. We see that whatever condition formations there are, the body is not beautiful, it's impermanent. So we contemplate like this, we contemplate back and forth. We contemplate this many times over and over again. When the mind feels at ease and relaxed, we're looking at the breath go in and out. The breath going in, boot and the breath going out, dough. We bring the mind to stillness. When we're able to do this, the body feels light and joyful. And this arises from the mind that's gathered in peace. And so when this energy and strength gathers together, the mind's able to stop and be still. It's able to become uh, better. So we bring the mind to stillness. We can compare this to exercising the body. To make the body strong, we need to exercise it. We can't maintain a single posture for very long sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. Otherwise, pain and discomfort arises. And so we change our posture. And we need to exercise this body to make it strong. But to exercise the mind, we need to stop the mind from thinking and proliferating. There was one disciple of Ajahn Chah, an American disciple, He went to teach meditation, and he was teaching his foreign disciples to stop thinking. Said, just sit for five minutes and stop thinking, have mindfulness. So we need to honestly ask ourselves, do I think a lot? So we have to stop this thinking and proliferating, whether it's worrying about the future, having concern for things in the future, or thoughts about the past, practice to bring the mind to the present moment, to cultivate goodness, to train our minds. For instance, listening to the Dhamma can give rise to more mindfulness and wisdom, more wisdom according according to the causes and conditions at that time. So this Dhamma practice is something that's very important. We recollect the great qualities of the Buddha, the great compassion of the Buddha that's limitless without bounds. and We practice to follow the Buddha to give rise to Samadhi. And when Samadhi arises, this happiness and pleasure that comes from Samadhi, It's something that we have previously not been able to imagine. We didn't know that the happiness from samadhi would be like that because it's something we've never experienced before. When it comes to pleasures of the senses, those we are familiar with, sights, sounds, tastes, smells, touches, and mental formations, and sometimes we like them, sometimes we dislike them. And ever since birth, it's been like this. But the mind that gets lost in all these sense impressions, this leads to agitation and chaos, leads to suffering. We see that this is the mind that has no refuge. And so we practice to cultivate mindfulness, to train our minds to seek out a true refuge in our own hearts. We practice having faith, having effort to do that which is useful and beneficial, to cultivate merit and goodness, such as building monasteries, building schools, helping those in need. These are all types of merit. But we also build our own minds, cultivate our own minds. We train our minds and cultivate a lot of mindfulness and cultivate mindfulness to the point where we can see clearly. To see p- the proliferation of mind clearly, to see these conditioned formations arising in the mind. And if the mindfulness is well established and firm, then wisdom and understanding can arise. that all these sense impressions are not self. We even see that the knower of proliferation, this knowing arises according to nature. This knowing is also not self. And then we can put it down. (coughs) Whatever thought or mental formation it is, then it is just what it is. A thought is just a thought. Mental formation is just a mental formation. Seeing this clearly, the mind is free from sense impressions. We see that thoughts are one thing, the mind is another, we can separate them out. When we see this clearly, rapture and joy arise through Dhamma understanding. We see clearly that it's all just convention. Whatever there is that we assign value to, it only has value according to convention at one time a certain object may have a lot of value and another object may have little value but in times of lack or in times of war the value of things can change that which used to be very valuable is no longer valuable and that which used to be of low value becomes of very high value for instance, in times of lack, a glass of water can have an incredibly high value. And we see that which is of great value is this very breath of ours. We all have been born, and we all have great merit to have been born into the human life. We've all had oxygen and air to breathe throughout our lives. Whether one is poor or rich, has a lot of wisdom, or a little. It's all the same. We're all able to live because of our breath. And we've all have had sufficient water and food enough to live in a day by day. But if we don't have these things, if we don't have breath, then we can't live anymore. So we see that the breath has incredible high value because we're breathing in and out all the time. If we stop breathing, then we die right there. We think that this body is ours, but we think, well, what is our body existing in dependence upon? So we contemplate the breath. If we don't have breath for a very short time, we don't have water for some days, we don't have food for a month or more, then the body dies from the lack of these things. And also lack of fire element, the body dies as well. So we see that we take these four elements of earth, air, fire and water to be a self. And if we see clearly, we see that that's just a convention. But the mind, lost in ignorance, thinks that it's truly a self. That this pile of elements is me, and that pile of elements is you. And the mind separates out these piles of the four elements into me and you, them and theirs. And this is the cause for suffering to arise, for jealousy to arise, for greed, hatred, and delusion to arise. This all arises with ignorance as the cause. With ignorance, then these conditioned formations arise. So the Buddha knew and understood this under the Bodhi tree. He contemplated this dhamma of dependent origination, seeing that all dhammas arise based on causes, and that there's no self in any of them. And after his awakening, the Buddha went to teach the group of five ascetics, And the group of five ascetics saw the Dhamma following in the footsteps of the Buddha. And after this, Venerable Yasa and his group of friends also were able to know the Dhamma following the Buddha. Because these individuals had already built a lot of parami, their parami was full already, so they were able to see the Dhamma. So therefore, for ourselves, we build parami in this lifetime. We have a very good opportunity to build a lot of parami in this life. So we have faith, and so we build this merit and goodness, practice, meditation. Even though our body may be sick, still we have this sincerity and application of mind to the practice. We see that whatever there is about this body, about these five aggregates, it's not One's own problem, it's not belonging to oneself. Because we all know that in the end these bodies must die. No one lives in this world forever. So we try to contemplate this according to Dhamma that even if one did live forever, one would just be here all by oneself. And so we see that. Everyone in the world must die. So we contemplate to make our minds feel at ease and relaxed, to do that which is of benefit every day. We are meditating on this retreat. This is something of great value and great benefit. It can bring us to deeper Dhamma understanding, to understand that all conditions arise, stay for a little while and cease. So we have the Dhammas of virtue, of faith, of mindfulness, of effort, of samadhi. and gather them together in sila and samadhi. We see that this breath merely arises and ceases. The body moves about. But when our mind is still, we see this all as anatta. But the mind that isn't still sees it all as self. But when the mind has stillness, we can see all of these various activities, all these movements, that the body is just like a robot or a machine. It's just like some kind of artificial intelligence robot that people use. It's running based on electricity and it moves about. It's just the same with these bodies of ours. They use the brain and use the bodily energy to move about, to chew food, swallow food, to change posture, to walk about, and so on. But if the brain doesn't work, then we can't do any of these things. The only reason we can do any of these activities is because the bodily systems are still functioning. The mind sends orders to the body, and the body follows. So when we see this clearly, then wisdom can arise. Virtue and samadhi ripening clear understanding that this body is just a body. We see it clearly according to the truth. And the seeing clearly the Dhamma, this is the goal of our Dhamma practice. And this arising, or the seeing of the Dhamma, doesn't happen according to our wishes and desires. For instance, we want to be a stream enterer, want to be a Sotapanna, and we want to attain that. But we should understand that a stream-enter doesn't gain anything. You don't get anything to become a stream-enter. But a stream-enter is one who must cut off attachment and clinging in their heart to reduce the attachment in the heart. It's like carrying around these five aggregates of body and mind. You can compare it to carrying around a heavy burden as if each aggregate was five kilos. We carry them around in all four postures of sitting, standing, walking, and lying down. We carry them around all the time. We see that this attachment is stressful, it's suffering. And an arahant is one who has put down all this weight and put it down. The stream hunter is one who's put down a portion of it because one has seen that carrying around this heavy burden, thinking that itself. But in the end, we all have to die, and we can't take any of it with us. So it's better to put it down. We put it down, we feel lighter, we feel better. Our attachment to the experience of the six senses is reduced. And when we are able to put it down truly, this is destroying the ignorance in the heart seeing the Dhamma clearly, putting down a heavy burden in the mind. So may you set your hearts on this practice on this second day of the retreat to sit in meditation and listening to the Dhamma on this occasion to make the Dhamma clear in the heart to give rise to wisdom. And this happens from listening and from thinking and from contemplating and from knowing for ourselves. Because when we know according to truth, when wisdom arises, even if it's only for a short time, it's able to cut off the attachment in the heart. Then the mind feels empty and feels light. One sees the Dhamma in one's own heart. One sees the Buddha. Even though we're not living in the time of the Buddha, but we've been born into this current time, We're still able to know and see the Dhamma. So we practice following the teachings of the Buddha. We all want happiness. And so we practice following the Buddha's teachings. So may you all be well, may you all be happy. May you know and see the Dhamma. May you grow in blessings.